Welcome back to um, part four of our dating and marriage series. So, first of all, thank you for all those people that sent in um, thank you emails. I really do appreciate that. It's a little bit of the subject of today's share. So, uh, okay, we'll go into that. But um, what I'd like to do today is last week we spoke about the dating itself, what to look for. Uh, the two weeks before that, previously, the first two weeks, we discussed um, what marriage is. So now that we've got the basics of what to be expected in a marriage, what to look for in a spouse, what's important in a marriage, I actually want to discuss and focus this week on actual practical ideas of what I hope to be very, very, very enlightening for all of us, those of you that are married. It's never too late. You can work on these things now. Uh, those of us that are looking to get married. So uh, this is an important thing to internalize now. Don't think, okay, so when I get married, I'll put these things into practice. I'll just hear about them now. No, no, no. Start working on it now. Start working on everything we're going to mention tonight. Whether you're married or not married. It doesn't make a difference. This is something that's good for any time and any place. So... It's interesting, you know, there are many self-help books out there. There are many books that, you know, self-help, how to become better, how to work on yourself, all of these sorts of things. And, and many of them are very, very nice and very helpful. They give some good ideas and good tips. Many of them I've found to be looking and the focus of many of them is how can I get what I want? In other words, here, I'll teach you the secret to success by saying the right things, so you get what you want. Now, in marriage, that's not how it works. And, and from a Jewish perspective, for sure, it's more about improving ourselves and becoming a better person. And Mimela, along with that, other people become better with us. And there is no better place to work on that than in the marriage setting. And as we've mentioned the last couple of times, that marriage is not a partnership of two people just simply getting together. It's not a business deal, right? Let's get together, you, me, we're pretty similar. Off we go, we can get married. It's, it's, it's where we're going to work on ourselves and become a better person. The Rambam, the Rambam in Ishus writes, Chosun doimelemelech, right? Chosun doimelemelech. How long for? How long are you considered to be a melech for? You know what the answer is? As long as you treat her like a queen, as long as you treat her like a Malka, she's treated like a queen, you're a Melech. Rechaim Vital writes a very scary thing. He says that the judgment of a person is going to be dealt with him according to how he treats his wife. And in fact, the truth is, and those of us that are married will be smiling and saying, this is so true, our wives know us better than anyone else in the world. Right? We, can, we can hide ourselves from anyone. Right? Men are great at this. Right? There's an English saying. I'm not exactly sure how it goes. The English guys will correct me if I'm wrong. But there is an English saying that basically says, a man living in his castle. That basically means a man does whatever he wants in his castle, acts whatever he wants, and then when he comes out, he portrays a very different message to the world. In Yiddishkeit, this isn't further from the truth. How you act in private, how you act with your wife, that's who you really are. And that's why it's so important, so important, not just to get what we want. 
This isn't a lesson of series of how to have a good, easy life, how to have an easy, quick marriage. I know there are books out there. Ten easy steps to an easy marriage. It doesn't work that way. That's not what life is. That's not what marriage is. And as we've said this, and we will continue to say this again and again, marriage is a journey. And you have to keep on pumping it. You have to keep on putting in the gas, keep on putting in the petrol, to keep working on it at every stage of life. It needs to be worked on. So I want to concentrate on a few ideas. Number one, we'll start like this. We've spoken in the past about love. We've spoken a little bit about love, how, you know, the word love and romance seem to have, you know, sort of like got mixed up. It's totally not true. But we've mentioned something, and I want to go a little bit deeper into the topic, and that is, if your marriage is based on love, and the foundation of your marriage is love, then it's very, very self-centered. And a love relationship cannot last. It won't last. What is the secret ingredient? What would be, and of course there are many and everyone's got their, you know, I imagine many, everyone that deals with this has got their idea of what the top three things to work on and discuss and whatever is. But based on my experience of dealing with, whether it's Bahrain or dealing with people that are married and going through various difficulties, so I, I, I try to use those experience to try and help others. And I found that one of I know there are many. One of the very, very most important ideas to work on in a marriage is respect. That one word called respect. And I'll bring you a proof. I'll bring you a proof that a marriage based on love is nothing. A marriage based on respect is everything. And by the way, this doesn't only apply to a marriage. This can apply to many, many relationships that we have throughout our lives. But I'll bring you the biggest proof. Go look at the Ksuba. I don't know how many people are really awake at the time during the chuppah when they're reading the ksuba. They, they normally give the rabbi that really knows like how to read Aramaic well, right? Sometimes they've asked me, Could, would, would I please read the ksuba? I'm like, no, no, give me anything but not read the ksuba, right? Because you've got, you've, got to, you've got to know the wording over there. And it's difficult. I once had to uh, actually rewrite a ksuba about an hour or two before a chasana happened and it wasn't the first marriage, whatever, it was a situation, but we, I had to rewrite the whole ksuba, and it, it was an avoida. It was an avoida. You know, what does it say in the ksuba? I don't know how many people have looked in this. I, I like to go, you know, before a chosen goes down the chuppah, so we don't go through the whole ksuba, but I like to explain what the ksuba is. You know, how many chasalim have no clue what this is? This is, a, this is a business document. And there they have it on the wall of their dining room, you know, hanging up over there with a nice gold frame. It, it's a business document. So what is the ksuba? The ksuba says that you will feed her, you will look after her, you will respect her. It doesn't say a word about love. Now don't tell me, what do you mean? I've been to this chuppah and the rabbi got up at the chuppah and he said how beautiful it is that this couple today are going to love each other and it says it in the ketubah that they're going to love each other for the rest of their lives. He lied. It doesn't say it in the ksuba. Nowhere. Nowhere in the ksuba does it talk about love. It talks about respect. Because respect is the key to any relationship. But specifically, the foundation and the key to the relationship of marriage. Let's define respect. Let's talk a little bit about respect and see how it sort of comes out in different ways. The definition, or at least one of the definitions of respect means that I value the person as a separate individual outside of me. That's respect. 
That means that person may think differently to me. That person may act differently to me. They may have different opinions. They may have a totally different way of many, many things. But I can respect that. Respect is preserving the individuality of that person. People think respect means good manners. Now, good manners is great. It's great to have good midas. We spoke about it. Very important trait to look for when looking for a spouse. But that's not manners. That's not respect. Respect is a mindset. How do I view the other individual? And again, again, just saying it again, this applies to any any relationship, whether it's your roommate, whether it's your parents, whether it's your, your chavrusa, whether it's your... It doesn't make a difference. Respect is a very big key to any relationship. Any relationship you have, respect will help you. You have to acknowledge the other person has a value. And it's very important because that person can add a tremendous amount to the marriage that I myself can't contribute. You know, if you have a marriage, or you're going to be in a marriage that you feel you're the only person contributing to that relationship, that's not a relationship. That's a relationship that you have someone else to fulfill your personal needs. No. Every person has their role to play. And it's a very important thing. And a relationship that's based on respect, and it takes time, you've got to develop that respect, but you have to have that mindset. They have to, before you jump into it, you have to have the mindset of understanding I'm respecting somebody else. Rabbi Kiva, as we know, Rabbi Kiva had 24,000 Talmidim. And we know that these Talmidim, many of them died between Pesach and Shavuos, the Indian of the Oymah. These were tremendous Talmidim, Chachamim, Tzadikim, Manhige Hadol, leaders of the generation. Why? How can we even speak about them? But because Chazal tells us, there's obviously a lesson for ourselves. Loinagu kovet zelazeh. You see? Loinagu kovet zelazeh. The respect wasn't there. And all the Mepharshim are busy and they say, but one second... These are Tomidim Rabbi Akiva. Who is Rabbi Akiva? You've got to love everyone like yourself. This was Rabbi Akiva. You don't think his Tomidim had respect? And I've heard this over the years from many, many different people who explained it. Yes, but maybe they loved each other. But there was no respect. It wasn't a relationship that was based on respect. And a relationship that's not based on respect basically cannot last. And that was the problem. One of the ways that I, I, I've often seen um, this come out in a very practical way is communication. Just to understand that men and women are different, and I keep on saying that, but like, I guess when you get married, you'll realize it and you'll be like, oh, suddenly you'll click, and like that light bulb goes on, you'll be like, aha, that's what he was talking about. It's worth it just for that, Rabbi Say. Just to come, just to hear that, so that when it happens, totally worth it. You know, I'll give you an example, yeah? Couple of, I've got a, they've got a wedding tonight. They've got a wedding tonight. So the wife turns to the husband and she says, Shmuli, what should I wear tonight? She says, whatever you want. Like, what are you asking me? What do I know? Now, that's the wrong answer. That's not what she wants. Now, she might not want you to pick the dress that you want her to wear, but she wants you to appreciate and respect that when she gets dressed, it's for you. It's not for anybody else. I'll give you another example. Uh, a husband once told me this. She got very upset. He comes home a few minutes late, which is a very, very bad thing to do, not to tell your wife why you're coming late. And women, you know, take this very, very seriously. And I know you don't respect me enough to tell me you're coming late. When you had a business meeting and you were late, 
I remember you telling me specifically that you called to make sure that they all knew that you were coming here because you respected them and it was something important to you. Am I not important to you? This, this is, this, you know, there are these complaints that women come home with. Because why didn't he tell me? So this guy comes home. He's telling me the story. He comes home. He's a little bit late. Whatever it was, on coil for work, whatever it is. He sees that she's a bit upset. She's upset. So he says, you know, I'm going to pacify her. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do the dishes. No man likes to do the dishes. He's going to do the dishes. So here he is. He's over at the sink. He's got the gloves on. Everything's going. And he's expecting her to walk in and go, my darling husband, that is incredible. I love you. That's incredible. I'll do anything for you. She walks in and she starts crying and walks out again. And he's like, I don't understand. I just wash the dishes. And this is what I get. It makes no sense. He doesn't understand a basic idea that there has to be communication. It's got to be genuine. She craves your attention. That's what she wants. She doesn't want you to do the dishes. She wants you to respect her. She wants you to understand her. She wants to... I'll give you another example, right? True story. Guy comes home. Comes home, hard day at work, hard day in the office, hard day at the sugu in Koilo, whatever it may be. The kids had a... Ooh, the kids really gave, gave his wife a run for the money. He comes in and his wife unloads the day. The washing machine broke. Her boss was very, very mean to her. You know, the kids didn't... Be, you know, a whole list of things. And he says, hold on a minute. We have a mechanic. Why didn't you call the mechanic? He can fix the machine. And I've been telling you to, you know, to get rid of that job for months already. Why are you still there? She's all upset. He's like, why are you upset? I, I have an answer for everyone. She's not looking for that. She's not looking for answers. She's looking for validation. She's looking for someone to respect her. She's looking for someone to hear her. How many men just don't get this? And you look at me like, come on, me. <laughs> you know, don't worry. When, Rabbi, when I'm going to get married, it's going to be great. I know exactly what to do. You know how many people I've heard that from? Anyway, you know, we have to realize that's what it is. You know, men just don't like talking over their feelings. That's just how it is, you know. I, I remember when I came home from Koilo, and the days when I was learning in Koilo, those great days when I was learning in Koilo. So, I remember the whole thing, right? So, my wife says to me, how was the day in Koilo? What happened? Right? And I'll say, how was the day in Koilo? Um, yeah, it was good. It was nice. That's it? It was nice? It was good? Like, well, what happened? There must have been... And I see it's the same day I call my son. You know, he comes home from yeshiva at 9.30, 10 o'clock, whatever it is. No, how was the day? Good. That's it? Nothing more than that? It's just good? It's like such a man's reaction. It's such a man's reaction just to say, it's good. I mean, come on. Seriously. It's got to be, you know, men have to realize that at the end of the day, it's more than just, it's good. Women want to hear everything about this. Right? But that's how people are. That's how we are. Right? That's how we are. Rabbi, I once heard from, I think it was Rabbi Tatz, he explained that talking things out is a very, very healthy tool. It's extremely healthy. And it's also interesting, you know, why is it so healthy to talk things out? Because what you're doing is when it's in your brain, so everything's all over the place. It's like, it's like a big mess. When you talk it out, when you talk it out, so all of a sudden it's quantified. You, you've turned it into something which is, which is manageable. And he explained that's why the Holocaust survivors never liked talking about their experiences. Why do they not like talking about their experiences? 
Because their experiences were so vast, so big, that to talk about it puts it into a small box and makes it containable. It cannot be containable. Women complain all the time. My husband doesn't listen to me. And he says, what do you mean? Of course I listen. I've had couples sitting in front of me. And I've had this complaint. He doesn't listen to me. And I'll be like, what do you mean? I always listen to you. Because there's a difference between listening and hearing. Someone you respect, you don't just listen. You hear. Right? It's almost like, you know, again, I don't know how many people have experienced this or are listening right now. But men can never seem to find anything. And it drives women mad. I asked you to look for something in the fridge. No, it's not there. We don't have it. She's like, what do you, what, I just put it there. That, she goes over to the fridge. She opens the fridge. And, there it is. Well, what do you mean you didn't find it? It's that men have this idea. They could never find something. You know why? Because the way a man is wired is that he's, if he doesn't find it straight away, bang, I'm on to the next thing. A woman has patience. She's there to nurture. She could spend more time looking. And therefore... She's able to do that. Now, I want to explain, I want to take it a step further, if I may, as well. How do we, how do we really make this work? How do we make this practical? And, and again, I'm suggesting this in a marriage, but I'm suggesting this in any relationship that you have. Any relationship that you have, it will help. I'm telling you, Rabbi this is a game changer. The word, what I'm going to tell you now is something that I've told to other people, and it's worked. This is a game changer with your relationship with your wife, with your boss, with your roommates, with anyone. It's incredible. There are two ways to, uh, to allow a person, to help a person grow. And as we said, marriage is about growing, it's about growth. That's what we're here together to grow. Tikkun Amidus, that's the whole story where we sent down to the world. So in marriage, that's the real school of chesed, it's the real school of growth. So we'll talk about it in the context of a marriage. There are two ways that you can grow. The two is you can help someone to grow. One way is you can point out everything they do wrong. Now, that might work for some people, but for most people, it's probably not going to work. Right? After a couple of times, they're going to go completely crazy. Right? So to go and point out every single thing they do wrong, not a good idea. There's another way, which is a lot more effective. And that way is to compliment them. When you compliment somebody else, that what you're doing is you're empowering them to continue, giving them the koyach to not only continue, but to take it further. This is an incredible tool to learn, to compliment, whether it's your parents, whether it's your abeim, whether it's your chavrusas, whether it's your boss, whether it's your wife. That's how it is. People love and thrive on compliments. I remember hearing this myself when I think I was in Queens, and I was being driven around with someone, someone was driving me from Sheer to Sheer. And he was, he says to me, I drive all the big speakers. I'm like, yeah, I know, of course, that's why I'm in the car. No, he says, I drive all like the really big speakers. I take Rabbi Pesach Kron, Rabbi Wyway Jacob. Like, you know, I'm like the driver. I said, it's amazing. So give me like, give me, give me a story. So he says, I'll tell you, it's not really much of a story, but it's, it's a very important yesoid. He said, you know, people always come over as, you know, we're going to the car, whatever. And um, they say, I want to thank you. That was an incredible speech. And whoever I'm driving, and these are like, you know, these, these are the big speakers of the world. They're like, wow, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. And I said to them in the car, like, seriously, come on, you probably get this the whole time. Like, yeah, you're, the big, you're the big guy. You, you're bringing all the crowds. What do you mean? Someone's going to compliment that. You should know it makes a huge difference to my life. And, and I learned from there that we can compliment someone that we don't even think needs a compliment. This guy's incredible. He's so successful. Everyone's envious of him. Everyone's jealous of him. He also needs a compliment. And how much more so in your wife. 
the Gemara tells us an incredible thing. The Gemara tells us, and I'm going to be Mekatsar in the story, Chanina ben Trajan. Tragic story. Him, his wife, unbelievable. His daughter was walking by the Gedolei Romi, by the big Roman officers. Roman officers. And the Gemara tells us that when they saw this young girl walking, they commented. And they said, how beautiful are the steps of this young girl. Says the Gemara. Miyad dikdoiteo psioiseo. Immediately, says the Gemara, she started walking a bit nicer. She was like careful of her, of the way she was walking, and she was walking. The Gemara tells us this. Says the Masilis Yishorim, based on this Gemara, when you give a compliment, you ignite someone. It's unbelievable. This girl hated the Romans. You know what they did to her father? The Gemara tells us they wrapped her father in a safer Torah, and they lit it on fire. She hates these people. You would have thought, what does she care if these Rishayim said something about, about her? But it changed her. It made her a different person. Can you imagine the effect of a husband that walks in and gives a compliment to his wife? She craves to hear something nice from her husband. She doesn't want to look for it somewhere else. And unfortunately, we're living in a generation where often they are looking for it elsewhere because they don't get it from home. What you can do is empower her with a tremendous power. The Rambam in Perish of Mishnayis in Sanhedrin in Perich brings down, and it's a Rambam, Rabbi Say, that most people, says the Rambam, most people will work tremendously hard just to receive a small compliment and a bit of praise or appreciation. The Maral in Perikiyavas, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Tezvov, says the Maral is the characteristic of people. To examine, are people appreciating me? Do people like me? The Maral said, that's how we are. That's how we're wired. The Shita Mukubetzes, in Ksubas, says that when a person, what does what every person want? People should praise me like they praise a color. Rabbi said, look, look, look what this is. This is a principle of human behavior. How much more so this applies to your wife? The stipler says an unbelievable idea. Says the stipler in Kilis Yaakov that a wife's most important desire, this is the most important thing that a woman desires, is a husband's love for her. And if she feels that that's lacking, it borders on pikuach nefesh. That's what the stipler writes. The Chaim for the Rosh points out that it's the way of people to ignore the good and to publicize the evil. That's just how we are. And it's so, so incredibly powerful. There are husbands that rarely praise their wife's appearance, which makes no sense because why is the wife dressing up? We hope it's for the husband. You know, we almost live in a generation where, where, where you know, the women at home are wearing, you know, the robe and the slippers and the crocs and the snood. And they go out and all of a sudden the makeup's on, the dressing, everyone's dressed up because I'm going out, right? It should be totally the opposite. I remember I got a Shiloh once from a, a photographer at bar mitzvahs and weddings. He says, do you know how difficult this is? My wife's sitting at home and she's looking like that. And I'm going to all the weddings and bar mitzvahs where everyone's dressed like who knows what. Husbands have to realize that. Wives have to realize that. It should be the opposite around. Dressing up should be at home. When you go out, then you put on the crocs and the robe. But anyway, why is the wife dressing up for her husband? She's wearing, that's, that, that's what it is. And, and he doesn't ever say anything about it. 
Right? So it's an important thing for a person to realize. We even know this from Avraham Avinu. When the Malachim came, what did they say to Avraham Avinu? The Gemara Bab Metziah tells this one in Pezayin. Says the Gemara that the Malachim came in and said, look at your wife Sorak, how beautiful sneer she is. They were giving him a praise. They were giving her a praise in his eyes. Revelle Lopian said an incredible thing. He said when he was learning in Kelm. So he always wondered Harib Simcha Zissel, the altar of Kelm's wife, could survive the strain of raising a family with the Parnassa, running the yeshiva part of things. How did she do that? And he thought to himself, it must be because her husband's the god of Ladar. Well, when your husband's the god of Ladar, I guess you just become the rabbit of Ladar. So that must be it. Says Rav Eli Lopian, an incredible idea. He said once, once on a Friday night, Rav Eli Lopian was eating in the home of the, uh, of, uh, the altar from Kelm. And it was during the Suda. And it was at that point that he found out the real reason for exactly how she survived. And when Simcha Zissel told his wife after saying Hamoitzi, he said, Wow, this challah that you baked was so good. I wasn't sure. I, I maybe have to make even a mazonis. It's so nice. Says Lopian, from then on I understood that Simcha Zissel's wife's source of strength was the honor the cover, the respect that her husband poured on her. And that's incredible. And that's a very powerful tool. Yaakov, as we know, married two wives, married Yerachel and Leah. Originally, he only wanted to marry Rachel. But eventually, as we know, the story goes, he married Leah, and then eventually went back and also married Rachel. Kabbalistically speaking, Rachel and Leah represent personalities of the same person. Historically, there were two different people, that's true, but Kabbalistically, they were basically representing the same person. Every person wants to marry a smooth, easy, accomplished person. That's what Rachel represents. Kabbalistically, Rachel represents simple, smooth, uncomplicated. That's what people want. Nobody wants to marry a complicated person. Leah, on the other hand, represented a complicated person. She cried a tremendous amount. Chazal tell us her eyes were red from tears because before she got married, she cried. She represents complication. Most people want to marry a Rachel in their lives. But sometimes you wake up the next morning, boom, it's Leah. It's Leah. You suddenly find out, that's not who I married. I wanted Rachel. I got a Leah. But every single person, Kabbalah tells us, has a little bit of both. You maybe might not have found out about it before. Maybe the shidduch dates weren't enough. You didn't find out about it and you have to get married to find out, which is fine. That's the definition of Shana Rishona. We've spoken about that. But that's why it's so important of what I was saying tonight, that the relationship is based not on love, but on respect. Because if you're basing your relationship on love, it becomes very self-centered. And the moment you wake up the next morning and realize you married a Leah, she's not the girl I wanted, the whole thing disintegrates and cracks and breaks. But if you base the relationship on respect, everything changes. And let me end with one last incredible idea. A posik in Shira Shirim. Shloyma HaMelech tells us in Perek Hey Posik Aleph. Bosi Legania Choisi Kala. Ah! Shloyma Melech, as we know, compares the relationship between the Rabbani Shloyim and Klal Yisrael to the relationship between husband and wife. 
And in the Pasuk it says, Basi Lagani, I came to my garden, my, my sister, my bride. And then what does it say? Ochalti Ya'ari in Divshi. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. Rabbi Sai, a honeycomb doesn't have taste. It's a piece of wax. Why is a man telling his color he ate a piece of honeycomb? Says Rashi that when a person is engaged or is a newlywed, he's willing to eat a honeycomb with the honey. He'll do anything, anything even if it's not geschmack, because he's so enthralled with his new relationship. The words that Shlomo Melech is telling us, Chacham Mikol Odom, Basi Lagani, I've come to my garden, describes courtship. If you want to continue, you have to be able to have the ability to eat the honeycomb together with the honey. Yes, there will be challenges along the way, but you can prevail. Maybe you failed until now, even if you're married for 50 years and you've forgotten how to talk, how to give a compliment, how to give respect, how to accept criticism. It's never too late. The Gemara in Kedushin, that Beisam Abayis tells us, It's the responsibility of a man to go out and seek his wife. The same thing applies over here. It doesn't make a difference the state of the marriage. A husband can always turn it around. But if we work on it now, when we're not married, or in the beginning of our marriages, when it's easier, then we bond the marriage. The foundations of the marriage are based on respect. That is a marriage that Be'ez Hashem will last. Be'ez Hashem next week will be the last poem on in the series where we'll Be'ez Hashem be going through the Ten Commandments of Marriage. Have a good night and thanks for joining.